Welcome to our Harvest Men's Valor podcast. This is Pastor Mike coming to you from Harvest Orange County, where Pastor Greg Laurie is our senior pastor. Greg started a new series entitled, Am I Doing This Right? What the Bible Says About Relationships. And for the last few Sundays, he has taught on what the Bible has to say about friendships. And he shared about David and Jonathan's great friendship found in 1 Samuel. He taught on singleness, on how to harness that season of life for God's purpose and glory. And for the next few weeks, he'll be teaching on marriage and family. And you can join us live at any of our campuses, Riverside or Orange County at 9 or 11, or also in Maui. Or you could go to harvest.church and watch it on the stream. Marriage. Man, so much to say about marriage. And we're certainly going to broad stroke it today in this podcast. But just to tell you a little bit about myself, I've been married for 39 years, coming up in November, to my wife, Diane, and two ends. And um, she's a fantastic wife, and we've had a great marriage. And like most marriages, you know, you have uh, great seasons, and sometimes you have difficult seasons. But uh, the Lord has been so um, great to us and so gracious to us, and uh, we're so blessed that he brought us together. Actually, Diane was significant in bringing me back to the Lord when I was a prodigal, back when I was in my, um, well, I was 20 years old. And um, we've been together, coming to Harvest for a long time now, and, and just been blessed by the ministry here. And the Bible has a lot to say about marriage. Along with God himself, guys, you have the key to a healthy, happy, and holy marriage. Let me say this again. You have the key to a happy, healthy, and holy marriage. Right now, you're either married or single. Maybe you're single and you're wanting to be married someday. And if you're married, uh, you're either having a thriving marriage, maybe a surviving marriage, uh, maybe you have a, a a dying marriage. You're going through some very difficult things right now. But listen, don't give up hope. God has a plan. I mean, God created marriage. Remember, after creating everything, heavens, the earth, the plant life, animals, everything, he created Adam and said that everything was good except for one thing, right? One thing that wasn't good was that Adam was alone. You know, God first established the institution of marriage in the Garden of Eden, in the creation of Count. In Genesis 2.18, we read, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. You see, God never intended us to be alone, guys, and I'm glad for that. In fact, God said it's not good, but the solution to that, the solution to Adam's aloneness was to create a helpmate for him, comparable to him, a woman. And that is the same for you, especially if you're married. God has uh, brought you together with a woman, and she's custom-made for you. And uh, you may think, man, I don't feel so custom-made, but it's true. Back in the day when you were wondering, man, I don't know what God's going to do here, God was working on your spouse and was working on you too. And then brought you guys together. Now, in the creation account, we know that God took a rib from Adam and created Eve. Now, woman was created from man's side to be equal and to be a partner in life with him. After our relationship with God, it is the next most intimate relationship that we will ever have. 
In creation, God made two of the one, but in marriage, he makes one of the two. The Bible says, the two shall become one flesh. Actually, Jesus even reiterated this. He said that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And he said, the two shall become one. And he said that, therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So there's a leaving. You know, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. There's also a cleaving. The word cleave means to stick like glue. And in a marriage relationship, it means to be devoted to and to be committed to. So there's a leaving and there's a cleaving in our marriage. But there's also a weaving. Now, forgive me for, you know, weaving, leaving, cleaving, but it rhymes, right? Weaving. How do you weave your marriage together? Well, the Bible actually tells us how we can. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Wow, this is something we apply in our marriage really on a daily basis. It talks about having lowliness, having gentleness, being patient with one another. It also goes on in verse 25 and says, put away lying, speak the truth, be angry and do not sin. I love this. Do not be, do not let the sun go down on your anger. It also says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth in verse 29, but what is good and necessary and edifying that it may impart grace to each other. It's so important to be thinking about how as husbands, we can pour into our wives, not tearing them down with our words, but building them up with our words. It goes on and says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, but be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And forgiveness is such a big part of marriage. Someone once said, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And that is so true. You know, I did a a wedding ceremony uh, the other day up in San Luis Obispo. And I was talking to the groom and his groomsmen before the wedding, and I said, you know, the Bible says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. You know, the illustration is that in a rope, there's three cords, and in a marriage, there's three cords, the husband, the wife, and the Lord, and that makes a strong marriage. And one of the guys said, yeah, and if it rains— that rope just gets tighter. That knot just gets tighter. And I thought, man, that's a great illustration because that's really what happens with a rope. And, you know, in a marriage relationship, when hard times come, if we commit it to the Lord and ask for his hand of strength and blessing and purpose, even in difficult times, that knot, that rope will get tighter in Jesus. It's so important to remember that. You know, the Bible gives us some pretty uh, explicit instruction in Ephesians on how we should be as husbands, guys. Now, in Ephesians 5.22, it starts out with what some guys seem to be their favorite verse, where it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And we all like, oh, man, I love that passage of Scripture. And man, if you ever have to quote that to your wife, you're already on the wrong foot, I guarantee you that. But it goes on and it says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let wives be to their own husband in everything. Okay, well, that's 
very important for wives. But listen, we're talking to you guys right now, husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. So that passage talks about, yeah, okay, so wives are submit to their husbands. All right, okay. But what does it say to us? Because this is what we need to be doing first. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for her. All right, how did Christ love the church? How did he love us? Well, he gave himself for us. He died for us. In fact, Romans tells us that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, we're to love our wives, yeah, when they're at their best, when they're beautiful and they're loving us and everything is just great, yeah, we're to love our wives. But what about when they have bad days? What about when they say the wrong thing? or we feel like we're disrespected or something, we're to demonstrate our love to them even when they're not on their game, even when they're, when they're making a mistake. We're to love them and we're to sacrifice for them. And what does it say? To sanctify them with the washing of the water by the word. That means we're to not only know God's word, but we're to apply it in our own lives and into that circumstance That's how we build our wives up. That's how we minister to them. You know, that verse goes on and says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Do you nourish and cherish your wife? It says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then he goes on and he says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's crazy to me that in the middle of this passage about husbands and wives and kind of our roles um, as husbands, about being men who nurture our wives, that cherish our wives, that love our wives, that um, lift them up, and uh, lead them unto the Lord, that all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this passage, throws in, great is this mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The reason he does that is because God has made our relationship with our wife the living testimony of his love for the church. It's the testimony to the world, to our kids, to our family. And so, We're to be a reflection of his love for people, for the church, for his people. So, guys, how are we doing? That's the question. It's not a question, how are our wives doing? Our question is, how are we doing? Are we doing these things that God has called us to do? Are we loving our wife as Christ so loved the church? Are we building them up in the word? Are we nourishing them? Are we cherishing them? That's the big question. And we can always do better. All of us can. Whether you've been married for 39 years or nine days, we continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord, and we continue to grow in our marriage. But even when it does rain, we know that God has a plan and a purpose, and he wants to bring us closer together, not only with himself, but with each other. And it's totally possible 
So I'm going to pray right now, and we're just going to commit our marriages to the Lord and commit even our commitment and devotion to our wives as we even live out this week. So would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us and that, Lord, you sent your Son who did demonstrate his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now, Lord, we just want to acknowledge that we need your help in our marriages. We want to bless our wives. We want them to feel valued and loved and cherished and secure. And Lord, so often we fail, but help us, Lord. Help us to lead. Help us to cherish, nourish. Help us to love even as you love. And so we want to commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. There's going to be so much more. In fact, uh, next week, we're going to continue in this series on marriage. So uh, come to church. We'll see you at church or uh, jump online or come out to one of the groups. uh, And you can go to harvest.church and even sign up for one of the groups and come out and be with other men, like-minded men who are just trying to walk with Jesus. Okay, God bless you guys.